<laughs> Joe knows what it's like to be up here. All the encouragement is welcomed. Any discouragement, save it. Would you look at your neighbor and say, if it wasn't for Jesus, you would be messed up. Now, would you put your hand on your own heart and say, I know if it wasn't for Jesus, I would be messed up. Isn't that the truth? I was reading this week, and it was a statement that really, really blew me away, and it's just building on for, this is going to be for Camp for Living Waters next week, but I'll just share it with you, where Jesus says, apart from the Father, I can do nothing. Now, you're thinking about this. This is a man, right, who was sinless, who was connected to the Father, and he made the statement, apart from him, I could do nothing. You know, and I think sometimes that we forget just how dependent and how needy we really are, you know, that apart from him, you know, that we cannot, we really can't be, apart from him, we can't be who he designed and created us to be. Apart from him, we can't fulfill purpose and walk in the destiny that he has for us to walk in and to fulfill. You know, apart from him, we really can't do anything. Apart from him, let's just, let's just be honest. We're messed up. No matter how good your mess looks, you're messed up. Some of us can mask it a little bit better. Some of us weren't so good at masking it. <laughs> you know, there's some people that you can look at and say, they're messed up. Because <laughs> you can just look and tell they're messed up. Well, we were all messed up. Without Jesus. Apart from him, we're just messed up. That has nothing to do with the message. I just, it just felt kind of good to say it. Like, we're messed up without him. We need him. We need him. Yes, we do need him. It's Father's Day. And, um, but I just, this, this message this morning, really, it, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. This, this applies to you. It doesn't matter if you have children or don't have children. It applies to you because what I want to share with you this morning is, is about the Father's heart. What does it mean? What does it look like to have the Father's heart? Do you realize that you are a chip off the old cornerstone? A few of you got that. I thought that was a little bit better than, than the response, you know? Chip off the old block. y'all. Anyways, Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the cornerstone. And you know what? We're, we're, we're supposed to be a chip off the old cornerstone. You know, and I don't mean should like, oh, you should. I mean, it's the privilege that we get to look like, to live, to love, to believe, to um, respond like Jesus. And, and what, a, what an awful, aw, awesome privilege that is. So I want to read, if you have your Bibles or you want to open up your phone or whatever, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to read verse 7, verse 8, and verse 11, and verse 12. In the context here is spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, and spiritual children. And I, I just want us to pick up a couple things from these verses, really three specific words that maybe if, you like, if you're one of the underliners of the Bible, like my dad writes all over his Bible, and, and so if you like to underline or you like to make a mark, I'm going to give you three words that I, I'd like you to, to highlight in your Bible. So it begins in verse 7, Paul says, says you know, we prove to be gentle among you. As a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, having such a fond affection for you. You know, the NIV, that's the NAS. The NIV says, man, we love you so much. It says, we love you so much. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives because you had become so very dear to us. And I want to point out that phrase. It says, because you had become so very dear to us. Literally, the phrase very dear to us in the Greek is just one word, beloved. He said, you'd become the beloved. He said, you become so our beloved, just as you know how we were exhorting how we, and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. There's that father language. There's the children language. And he goes on to say, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And so I, I want to pull together a little definition of the Father's heart based on these few verses. Now we know there's a lot more. Rick has written pages and books on the Father's heart. 
And someone testified this morning, who was it in prayer that you just said your life was just completely changed because of um, the Father's heart? Reading there back there. Could you raise your hand really quick? Just thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. Said, you know, reading the stuff that Rick wrote on, on the Father's heart, that what a difference it made. So we know there's a lot about the Father's heart, but based on these few verses, I want to give us a definition. So the, the heart of a father is a heart motivated by love that seeks to impart life in others in a way that empowers them to live out their true identity as sons and daughters of God and to fulfill God's destiny for their lives. So I'll just read it really quick. The heart of a father is a heart motivated by love that seeks to impart life into others in a way that empowers them to live in their true identity as sons and daughters of God and to fulfill God's destiny for their lives. So the three words I want to highlight in these passages, the first word can be found in verse 8. It's love. Now, it may not say love. It may say you'd become very, you know, um, what might it say? What verse? It says, having such a fond affection for you. If you have the NIV, it says, we loved you so much. And at the very end, it says, you had become so dear to us. That word dear to us is beloved. It is the beloved. I want us to look at that word this morning. You have become so dear to us. You are our beloved. The Father's heart actually looks for the beloved. Beloved is this. I need a target to direct and aim my love towards. That target then is the beloved. I, love has to give itself away. That's what love does. The nature of love is that it gives. For God so what? Loved the world that he what? He gave. And so the beloved becomes the object or the target that you aim and direct your love to. Paul's saying, man, we, we had such a fond affection for you that you became the object of our love. We intentionally directed our love towards you. You became the target. So that's one word I want us to look at this morning. And another word is impart. It said that we, we love you so much that not only did we impart the gospel to you, but that we imparted our very lives to you. That word impart is a great word. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce the Greek word, but literally it means it's kind of two, it's, it's two words Two Greek words that make up one word. The one word is to give, and the other is to, to literally accompany with. Or, or the picture is this, what we did this morning, was communion. When Jesus said, take my flesh and eat it, when he said, this is my blood, drink it, that is the word picture of impartation. Because it accompany, he, he is the gift. See, impartation is, it's not, it's not just, it's part of what, it's part of who you are. Jesus gave himself. He imparted his blood. He imparted his body. And because he gave, because he imparted his body, because he gave his blood, we what? We have forgiveness of sins. We can be sons and daughters. We can walk in healing. We can walk in freedom. So impartation is not just, you know, it's not just giving something it's giving who you are. It's giving part of who you are. You cannot impart what you don't possess. That's the really neat thing about impartation. I can teach others, but you can only impart what is truly yours. Either part of your nature, part of something that's become uh, an aspect of who you are. You are the gift. The third word is empower. And I, I just you made up that word empower because when you look at those three words in verse 11, it says that we were exhorting you, we were encouraging you, and we were imploring you. I'm not going to go through all the definitions, but I summarize that in one word, empowered. That we, we sought to empower you. And uh, it's such an awesome morning this morning. Um, I, for me, it's a really, really special morning. I have um, my, my dad here this morning, my natural dad, my physical dad, and I also have my spiritual dad, and they just happen to be sitting one row apart from one another. So it's really a special morning for me this morning to have both pops here this morning. And I just asked my dad if he would share a little bit, and I'm going to come back around, and we're going to look at those three words a little bit closer, but I asked him if he would share some testimony this morning about um, how he once was messed up. And how God took them and made them right. 
Okay? So come on up, Dad. Good morning, church. I'm so proud just to be here in Dwelling Place because Dwelling Place is where my walk started 11 years ago. I was 63 years old when I came to the Lord. So um, I'm on the clock. Daniel put me on the clock. So um, I'm just going to give you highlights of the bad parts and, and the highlights of the great part. So... I'm a retired police officer of 30-some years as a policeman. So my life was street life. I've seen everything out, out there on the street that you can see. 24 years was in D.C. I was a policeman in D.C., the Spotsylvania County deputy in Virginia, and an Acquire Harbor policeman in Stafford, Virginia. So my life was street life. And, you know, and I had, I had my family. Well, first of all, I want to say what a great weekend it's been to be with my lovely uh, daughter-in-law, my grandchildren, my two sons. It's been awesome. So I was one of these guys that I provided for my family, not me. I, provide, I gave them, you know, for their food, their clothes, and... Uh, so I just come home, and I did. They never heard the word love, as long as we were together. Before I got to stay, so I was—I'm going to use the term—I I was a policeman's policeman. Whatever they wanted to do, stay out and drink. That's what I did. Um, I said uh, I was a male whore. That's what I was when I was a policeman. So it was. My life, I said, how could there be a God in this world when you see what people do to each other? How could there be a loving God when nobody's out here loving themselves, you know, or each other? So my son kept, you know, called me to come down here to go to an um, encounter, men's encounter. And I kept saying, no, no, no. So one one time I said yes. He just kept bugging me so much. <laughs> so as I was leaving to come down here, my wife looked at me. She says, if those boys think you're going to change, they're crazy, ain't they? I said, yeah, I'm just going down there to get them off my back. <laughs> so we came down here in, in this building, and um, we all, they broke up. So Daniel and I went together. Well, lo and behold, he got us lost and we were the last ones to come in. So when we come in, they all stood up and clapped. And <laughs> because we made our way. So um, I looked around. I seen all, they were doing the worship service. And they, there was these young guys, man. They were just going, they were ripping their shirts off. And I'm going, <laughs> I'm going, what did I get into, you know? So, so this, the worship service was over. And they broke up into small groups. So this small group I went to, I went over and I said, listen, guys, I didn't come down here to do anything. I came down here just to get my boys off my back. So this one gentleman said, can we pray for you? Sure, I don't have no problem with that. Can we put our hands on you? Yeah, go ahead if that's what you want to do. <laughs> so after the prayer, this one gentleman looked at me and he said, Dan, when we were praying for you, I saw this butterfly flying around you. And I'm going, I like to have what this guy's smoking, you know. Because... <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. That's what I thought. <laughs> so, after that, we broke up into our groups and we went to our cabins. And, of course, I was with Daniel and James. And um, so, I, we went got in bed. And I had this dream. This dream was so real. The dream was I was standing in with the group, and I couldn't recognize none of the guys but the guy who said he saw a butterfly flying around. So we were standing there talking. I had something in my hands, and I threw it way up. So we kept on talking, and I said, well, when's this thing ever going to come down? 
So we were talking, then I go, ah, here it comes. And the closer, the closer it got, it was a huge white cloud. And the next thing I do, it, it hit me, and I, water was all over me. So I jumped up out of bed because I thought they threw a bucket of water on me. And I, <laughs> you know, and I was wet, but it was from perspiration. So I told Daniel the next morning about the dream. And he just looked at me and, you know, gave me that grin. <laughs> Never told me anything else. He just grinned, you know. And I, so that night, which was a Saturday night, he said, we were sitting there, and he said, Dad, would you like to go up and tell your, your, you know, about your dream? I said, everybody in this whole camp knows about it. That's all they've been talking about. So I said, yeah. So we got up and started to walk, and I looked behind me, and here come the small group and my son. And on the way up there, Daniel looked at me, and he said, Dad, would you like to give your life to Jesus Christ? And I said, you better believe it. Had no inkling that I was going to do that. So we said, he said, the sinner's prayer. And I said, the sinner's prayer. And I can tell you, I can tell you right now, I felt the hate in my body from my foot come up out of my body and out of my head and through my hands. So, and I knew there was something different with me that when I left Sunday and was going down 81 and some guy cut me off <laughs> and I called him an MF and I go, I felt something wrong with me. I felt I did something wrong. And I'm going, that's my normal talk. That's how you talk out on the street. So anyway, so then I started saying, how am I going to tell this to my wife? You know, you know she's going to think I'm crazy. So anyway, I got, I got a few. I still got a. <laughs> so um, I was so much on fire, and I still am. After 11 years, I had to get every everything I had. I wanted it right then. You know, I wanted. So, I, uh, there was a guy in this small group that was from Fredericksburg. See, the Lord planned that. He said, you know, do you know any Christians? And I said, no, I don't know no Christians. He said, well, here's my number. Call me when you want to go to a church. Two weeks later, I called him, went to church. You know, and then that church, I was there for five years. And um, I got on the church board. I went to Ecuador on a mission trip. I went to Africa on a mission trip. I went to Liberty University for a two-year Bible. Daniel called me and said, Dad, when you got saved, you, you didn't take baby steps. You were taking giant steps. But that's what God was doing in my life. I now do a men's group in my home on the second Saturday and the fourth Saturday. And... Uh, I always wonder, why did God wait so long, you know, to come into my life? I said, Where? <laughs> I know I didn't have, being 63 years old, not being involved in the church, I did not have no, no thing about man's religion. I had God's religion. And so I didn't, church, you know, if you taught the Bible, that's where I wanted to be. So anyway, <laughs> it, 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 I had to cut a lot of it out because of my time limit. But <laughs> anyway, I love you guys, and I love this church, and thank you very much. Good job. So I'd like to... Uh, um, you know, the, the, the Father's heart is a, is a heart that loves, is a heart that seeks to impart, and is a heart that seeks to empower. And it's, it's, not, that, it's not that complicated. You know, just, just find a target to aim your love towards. Look to give something that you possess. God puts you in the path of people for a reason.
you know, don't think or don't wish if I had Rick's mind, if I knew scripture like Rick, just what do you have? Take what you have. That's your offering. That's what you have to impart. God is smart. He knows. He knows the appointments. He knows the people to bring in your path because you have something that is representative of who he is that they need at that time. They actually need that. And to empower others. And so I just wanted to give a little demonstration that it's of the effects of fathering that it can have and just how powerful it is. One touch. And so, Rick and Paula, would you guys just come up for a moment and and stand right here? In 1992, I was a chip off the old block. It was a mess. In 1992, my life was a mess. And I was pursuing the things that I thought would give me life. Partying, relationships. (laughs) Met some girl, and she took me to this Bible study where I met Rick Sizemore. The very next day, Rick comes to my dorm room, and we go to another building on campus. He says, are you a Christian? I say, yes, I am. (laughs) He said, why do you think you're a Christian? I said, because I've never murdered anybody, and I've never raped a girl. That's what I believe made me a Christian. And you know what Rick said? That don't cut it. (laughs) That's simple. And long story short, he sat down with me, I gave my life to the Lord that night in my dorm room, and that was in 1992, and it's 2018, and here we are. For the next three years, they poured their life into me. Maybe it was a pancake breakfast. I remember I was so blown away. I didn't have a Bible, and Rick said, come on, I'm gonna, let's go get a Bible. And I remember going into the store thinking about, how am I going to pay for this Bible? Rick bought the Bible. I just remember thinking, he just bought me a Bible. Like, it was the biggest deal to me at that time. So for the next three years, they poured their life into me. And here I am today. I stand here today. And, and in 2006, here I am at Dwelling Place, and I get a call from my brother. My brother's name is James, and James says, D, I need some help because my wife is, is going to leave me if I don't get help. I said, well, it's just perfect timing because our church, Robbie and Tony Maddox, just started a regeneration program. Why don't you come on down? Long story short, my brother came down. James, would you come up for a second? While my brother's in the program, God starts doing a work on my brother's life. And my brother says, you know, we got this men's encounter coming up. And my brother says, D, invite dad to the men's encounter. I'm not inviting dad. (laughs) I said, you invite dad. (laughs) Well, you heard what happened. So he invited dad, and guess what? Dad came to the men's encounter and gave his life to the Lord. Dad, would you come up? What my dad didn't tell you is that his wife got saved. I got to baptize her at Smith Mountain Lake. Her son, Gil, and his wife got saved. He baptized them in his hot tub. (laughs) I mean, my kids could come up here. You guys get the point, the influence. Not only that, Micah, would you come up here for a second? Micah is in Eagle's Nest. Here's the story of how Micah got in Eagle's Nest. My brother does air conditioning and heating in Tennessee. He receives a call from, from um, someone that needs their unit looked at. James goes to the house and shows up. Lo and behold, there's nothing wrong with the unit. She starts pouring out her heart to James about her son, who was a mess at the time because of addiction. James begins to share with her his story about Eagle's Nest and dwelling place and how God changed his life. See, James went there to fix an air conditioner. But what he actually did, he imparted hope to Micah's mother because James knew there was hope. James had hope in that area of regeneration because his life had been changed because what God had done through Eagle's Nest. So what did James give? He didn't just give his knowledge. Well, here's, you know, air conditioning and heating. Let me tell you how to do it. He said, I'm going to give you what I have. I have hope. I carry hope in this area, and I impart this hope to you. The mom got excited. Long story short, Micah's here. Isn't that awesome? 
And this line, y'all, we don't know. There's, it's, it just spreads, and it spreads, and it spreads, and we don't know whose lives Micah's going to touch, and it goes on and on and on. Y'all can have a seat. That's the heart of a father. That's the heart of the father. He is looking, not passively. He is actively looking for the beloved. I want to aim my love at someone. I'm going to target and give my love away. You know, and it's a good reminder when I'm not walking in love because, you know, the, the lust seeks to receive. Lust seeks to take. Love looks to give. And that's where God said, I so loved you. I didn't give you a message. I so loved you. I didn't send a prophet. I so, so loved you. I didn't raise up a priesthood. Now, he did all of those things. But then he says, I so love you. Not when you had all of your stuff together. Not when you were worthy of my love. Yet when you were still my enemy, I aimed my love at you because that's what love looks like. It's looking for someone. It's looking for a target. Love looks for the beloved. And God said, you're my beloved. Here comes my love. I'm giving my love to you. That's the Father's heart. Looks for someone to love. On Cade's soccer team, there's this young guy named Henry. He's a junior. He's a really good player. He's the cat, one of the captains on the team. He, as a sophomore at Blacksburg, I don't know if he started, but he got a lot of playing time. Maybe he started as a sophomore. Henry is from England. His dad, his parents are from England. Well, you know, soccer in England's really big. I mean, they love soccer. And I love sitting next to Henry's dad during the games because he knows soccer. <laughs> like, I don't know the sport very well. But Henry, well, Henry battled mono, and he battled a hip issue all year. And we were in the stands watching, and Henry's dad said, I think, I think Henry's giving up soccer. And he goes, it just breaks my heart. I mean, the dad was as sincere could be. He was heartbroken that his son was giving up soccer. His son's a really good player, but he couldn't overcome the injury bug, was injured all season. A, you know, basically a starter as a sophomore wasn't playing as a junior. And as the season went on, I kept saying, Henry, you are my favorite player that's not Cade. I said, Henry, you are my favorite player who's not my son. Henry, you are my favorite player. I had to tell Henry every opportunity I would get, I would say, Henry, hang in there. I mean, right now, God is building character in you. That endurance and that perseverance is going to serve you well. Henry, in the state game, you watch. You're going to get the header. It's going to be the winning goal. I said, you just hang in there. And he'd be like, ah. Well, Henry hung in there, and he finished the season. He got a lot of playing time. He didn't get the heading or the winning goal in, in, the, in the state championship game. But after the game, he comes up to me and goes, Mr. Wheeler, you are my favorite parent. That's not my dad. <laughs> You know, it's that simple. Hey, you don't need a, a Bible degree to look for someone to love on. You know? And love seeks, I'm sorry, and a father's heart looks to impart. Said so not only the gospel, not only were we eager to give you, to impart to you the gospel. Because see, my dad can impart something. Because it's become part of who he is. You know, that hatred, you know what I'm saying? Like, that hatred leaving his body, man, that's deliverance, amen? amen. Gosh, and now he's getting filled with something else? And that just kind of leaks over into people. It kind of spills over into other people's lives. That's kind of what impartation is like. And, you know, I'm a teacher, and I make a mistake. I think I can teach everything. Do you know what I realized, though? When you have kids, you realize more is caught than what? Taught. Isn't that the truth? Your kids start, you, know, you can teach them lessons, you can sit down with them all day, but they're looking for someone to mimic. That's what they're looking for. Children are looking for someone to mimic and follow. And I love Paul's language. How many times did Paul say, you can imitate me? Go ahead and imitate me. 
Man, he was willing to take the responsibility of a spiritual father. That's not an easy choice. There's days where I would say, follow him, not me. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, follow Jesus, not me. Now, that, I understand what you're saying in that. We don't want anyone looking to a man or a woman, right? But children are looking for someone to mimic. The heart of the father says, I'm going to live in such a way that you can follow me. Because more is caught than taught. And right now, our daughter Ashton, and it's so funny to see the dynamic in family. Val is the educator. She's the smart one. Y'all, I got a, I got a physical education degree without the teaching certificate. What does that even mean? You know what it means? I love PE. I'm so mad at my guidance counselor. You know, like, you let me get a four-year degree on how to play basketball. But I love PE. I grew up in sports. I love sports. Guess what I can impart to my children? Not education. I can impart what? Athletics. Competition. All that can get carried away. We know all that can get carried away. But you know what Val imparts? Smart. <laughs> she imparts smart. I impart, I impart grit. Grit's important. Amen? I mean, if you got smart without grit, you basically got nothing. Right? Because you've got to have grit. It's true. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking from my best buddy. <laughs> But, you know, right now, Ashton is at a CFO camp working with young people. Three weeks before the camp, this girl is going at it. I mean, she's buying stuff. She's putting lessons together. She's putting crafts together. And I'm watching Val and her. Do you know how much involvement I had with the crafts and the lessons? Oh, do you want to throw the lacrosse ball in the front yard? You know, that's my other daughter. I'm throwing lacrosse. But Val is is pouring in because that's what, and, then I, and I look at Ash and I'm like, she has a chip off the old block. Because see, what you might not know about Val is Val likes things to be done well. And so she will spend time and she will work on it. She wants these kids to have the very best lesson. And then guess what? Ashton is like, like a representation of Val because that's what Val's imparted. I promise you, there's people all around you that have something that you possess. And if you don't catch that, and if you don't realize that you don't need to look, it's, it's not wishing I were somebody else. If I could be like this person, then I could change lives. I could touch lives. That's not true. God made you. There's one of you. He wants you to be you because you represent some part of him that no one else really does quite like you. And he just needs you to be you. Because you impart something that represents who he is and what he's like. And that's what people in this world need more than anybody else. Impartation. And the third part is to empower. And that's where we call people towards their purpose. We call people towards their, towards their destiny. You know, fathers, they do teach. They do mentor. They do coach. But the heart of a father looks to cultivate environments that empower, that enforce identity. Because you know what? Destiny will follow identity. And I love what Rick said last week. You know, it's the one that's in you. It's the one that's in you is the source of everything. That's the good news this morning. It's not about you being a superstar. It's about the one living in you coming out and being free to be him. And he does that best when you're most comfortable with how he made you and who he made you to be. Because when I'm busy trying to be somebody else, they don't see who he really is in me. They see an imitation. So when we empower others, it's about an environment that enforces identity, that enforces love, that enforces purpose. The heart of a father desires and celebrates when those around him excel and succeed beyond their own reach. I played sports my whole life. I never won a state championship game. Do you think for one moment I'm upset that Cade won a state championship game? I'm like, praise the Lord. Hey, this is awesome. 
you know. I was a wreck. I was more nervous the week of the game than I think the players were. You know, it was, you know, it's good. But, but that's the heart of a father. Go beyond what I, where, I, where I've gone. Exceed. Excel. There's no competition in the heart of the father. The heart of the father isn't upset when someone actually is promoted, when someone, there's so much favor on their life being poured out. The heart of the father goes, yes, yes. That's what the heart of empowerment looks like. The heart of a father actually believes in others before they ever are believable. And what my dad didn't tell you, the years that went in before he got saved. The time, the, you know, the first, when I, when I got saved, when Rick led me to the Lord. Rick, do you remember you said, if I had a nickel for every time Daniel prayed for, I don't know if it was James or my dad, you said you'd be rich. You know, just the prayers, just the pouring out. I get saved at college. I come back that summer. Well, one of the first things that God begins to touch in me is it was, it was my dad and my brother were the first things that just my heart burned to see them. And I can remember I, I came home from college break and I called my dad. And my dad's life was a mess, y'all. Did I tell y'all my dad's life was a mess? <laughs> And I called my dad, and I'm talking to him on the phone, and I don't know what was said, but he hung up on me. I probably said, Jesus loves you, click. <laughs> and I began to cry. And it must not just been like a little sniffle, because my mom kind of comes into my room, and she says, Daniel, you know your dad. Like, you know what he's like. Don't let him do that to you. And I said, Mom, this is different. I said, I'm not crying because my dad has hurt me. I said, I'm crying because I'm hurting for him. I don't know if she understood that, but I know this, that, that just pouring into praying and praying and praying, just believing. And I promise you that there's someone that believes in you long before you were believable, <laughs> or you wouldn't be sitting here today. I promise you, he pursued you first. And it was his love that motivated him. And it was his love that said, I'm not giving you a message. I'm giving you my life. Because I love you that much. And I'm going to do everything that I can outside of controlling you, outside of manipulating you, outside of forcing you against your own will to call you to your true identity, to call you to your true purpose, to call you to fulfill your destiny. And every time you fall down and every time you fail and you think you've done enough and there's no hope for you, I'm going to be right there and I'm going to call you again. And I'm going to say, get up. And I'm going to say, there's forgiveness. Because that's what the heart of a father is like. The heart of a father is celebrating over who people are, even when they're not living who they really were created to be. It's not stumbling over who they're not. It's celebrating who they really are. You know, this morning when we, were, when we were having praise and worship, I really began to just look around and just see what God can do when he takes a group of people that are just surrendered to him and submitted to him and how he can change lives. Because in this church right now, if it wasn't for Jesus, could you imagine the stories? I mean, just pause for a minute. Don't think about this too long. But where would you be if it really wasn't for Jesus in your life? How many ditches? How many ruts? How many broken relationships? How many hurt people? How many addictions? How, what would your story be? But this is the goodness of God. This is the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is taking all of that, disqualifying no one. There's no mess too messy. There's no failure. There's no sin. There's nothing too big, too wide that my love can't fill. And the Father begins to weave it all together. And He says, look at my family. I'm not ashamed to call them my brothers and sisters. I'm not ashamed to call dwelling place my sons and daughters. Because that's what the heart of the Father is like. 
It doesn't matter, man or woman. It doesn't matter if you have biological children or no children. We're called to be a chip off the old cornerstone. To have the heart of our Father. Because He is that good. And I, I, I want us to have a few moments. I think we're going to pray for a couple things this morning. Robbie, would you guys mind? And, and um, I know that um, Craig's got a couple things. And I, I want us to pray for a few specific things this morning. And I'm going to invite, you know, elders, and, um, who, you know, to participate and pray if people want to, if people come up for prayer. Um, can you guys just take a moment? Would you all just, just take a moment? And pray for a moment. And here's what I want you to pray for. I just pray for, just pray that the heart of the Father would begin to stir up in, in lives right now. I feel like this morning that there's people in here that feel like, you know, they're in here this morning and you were worshiping and you didn't feel it. Maybe there's broken relationship in your life. Maybe you're not connected to your sons and daughters. Maybe you're not connected to your mom, to your dad. There's just, maybe you didn't have a mom and dad. Maybe you didn't have someone to mimic or to follow. And, you know, and you're in here this morning, and we were, and we were worshiping, and, and you felt more of a void than you felt fullness this morning. I just want to speak into that for a moment. You know, God says it's, God doesn't, he doesn't want you to be hyped up. <laughs> he wants you to be faithed up. And, and this is what I mean. You might not have the right emotions this morning. And we value emotions here. Emotions are significant. Emotions are important. They, they signify a belief or something that's going on in your life. So maybe you're in here worshiping this morning. Your emotion was more detached. Maybe your emotion was more just, just lonely or, or hurt. We're broken. And I just want to pray into those this morning. And God's saying, you don't need the right emotion to have the right response this morning. See, because emotions that follow truth, you can ride all day long. You can trust them. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, it's peace. When you're feeling those things, don't withhold. When you feel love and you know it's coming out of presence and relationship, don't withhold whatever response you feel is appropriate. Don't withhold that. Ride that wave. But when an emotion is being stirred up, when an emotion is being triggered, when emotion is coming up, that's not connected to truth. That's not connected to the heart of the Father. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's even. You know, sometimes we, we put fancy names on emotions. We call it discernment when really it may just be anxiety. Sometimes wisdom, sometimes discernment, it masquerades. And what it really is, it's fear and, and it's anxiety. And so I feel like this morning, God's saying, you know what? You don't have to be hyped up. You just have to be faithed up. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. What is the Lord saying to you this morning? What is he speaking over your life this morning? You are my beloved. I am coming after you. I know you didn't have the perfect family life. I know you don't have the perfect relationship with your mom, with your dad. I know your children may be estranged from you, but it's never too late. I'm coming after you. I will impart into you the heart of a father that you will be able to father those that are around you, even when you were not fathered. There's no disqualification in family. There's no disqualification in family. And I'm just going to ask uh, my dad if he would come up. And we're going to pray for a couple categories right now. If you, if you are a dad or a mom in here this morning, and maybe you have a son or you have a daughter, and you know that they're not where the Lord wants them to be, I'm just going to invite you to come up. And I'm going to ask my dad to pray over you guys. 
If you guys would come up over here, we're going to have a few different calls. If you want my dad just to agree with you that you have, and any other fathers, you guys, you know, daughters, mothers, mothers and fathers want to pray and agree for sons and daughters. Right now, we're going to agree that sons and daughters who aren't walking with the Lord would come back home, would come back home. You have a son or daughter and you know they're just not living in the fullness of who God created them to be and walking in all that God has created them to walk in. And would you all agree right now? Would you guys just agree right now? Let's just agree. Just again, just, you can stretch your hands out. Man, I'm going to tell you, it, it's, lives change when we begin to agree with the one who changes lives. When we partner with him, we know it's God's will that everyone be saved. That's not a mystery. It's God's will that everyone be saved. Church, let's just agree, sons and daughters come home. Sons and daughters come home. Holy Spirit, we just release you all over the place. Every son and daughter that's walked away from you, every son and daughter whose heart has become hard, whose ears have become dull, we say soften the heart, open up the ears, open up the eyes in Jesus' name. We call every son and daughter home to their true identity. We call every son and daughter home. We call him home in Jesus' name. Because we know, we know that's the heart of the Father. And I, I, the next category I just want to agree with, if you're a son or daughter and you know that your mom and dad, maybe your mom and dad is not walking with the Lord, and you're a son and you're a daughter and you're agreeing for your parents, if that's you in here this morning, I want to agree with you as you agree for your parents. Y'all, I have faith in the area <laughs> that God can save a 63-year-old Washington, D.C. police officer whose heart was hard, whose heart was cold, who, who didn't say, I love you, to his children. That wasn't his language. I have faith to believe it's never too late. It's never too late. If you have a parent in here if you have a parent that's not walking with the Lord, would you raise your hand? I'm gonna, I want to agree with you right now. If you have a parent that's not walking with the Lord where you know that God wants them to be. Father, we just come in agreement right now. First of all, we thank you for our parents. God, we know there's, quote, unquote, no perfect parent. God, we choose not to hold them to their mistakes. We choose not to see them in the light of their failures. We choose to forgive them for the places where they failed as a mother, as a, as a father. We don't look to blame God. We look to release. 
We look to forgive, God. We look to you, God. We don't say that we're a victim. God, we don't say that we're without. God, we say we've got you. God, we have a father. We have someone we can mimic. We have someone we could follow. It's never too late, God. And we say we love our parents. We're thankful for our parents, God. Just take a moment and give thanks for your mom and dad this morning. Just give thanks for them. Maybe they've gone on to be with the Lord. That's okay. Give thanks for them. And Father, right now, we're going to agree right now. We know that your will is that no one would perish, that no one would be separated from you. So we agree in Jesus' name for every mom, for every dad that does not know you, God. We say today is a good day for their salvation. God, we attach your plans and purposes to their life, your will for salvation. God, we say, Holy Spirit, be released on their lives. Pursue them relentlessly, even when they refuse to listen to us as sons and daughters. When we try to tell them about you, God, we say, get them, Holy Spirit. You do a better job than we do anyway. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would pursue our parents in a, in a relentless way, God. Your reckless love would go after them even when they say no. God, we ask that you would continue to pursue after them. Melt down the walls, God. Tear down the walls of religion. Tear down the walls that say that they don't need you, God, we ask that those walls would come down. And we say, save our parents in Jesus' name. And we thank you, God, that it's never too late. That it's never too late. Sweet. Awesome. So good. I think... I believe that God's goodness and loving kindness never cease, never stop. And it's so cool because even in this place, I believe that the Lord's preparing a table before us. He's preparing a table before us in the midst of our enemies. Psalms 23.5 says that, that he prepares a table before me in the midst of my enemies and in his the following verse says that he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. And then the following verse says that surely goodness and loving kindness should follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a reality that God's shifting perspective. He's shifting our focus. He's setting our hearts on the reality of the situation. I think oftentimes what we do is in the midst of a wilderness, wilderness we, look at the, we, take, we take a look at the wilderness and we, we look at the greatness of the wilderness and, and despite and in the midst of provision. But God's saying, look at the greatness of my provision in the midst of the wilderness and the lack, right? The reality is he prepared a table before us. And during worship, it was so cool because I believe God showed me a picture of a bunch of trees, a bunch of trees full of fruit, bountiful, abundant. And he brought me to... The verse in Genesis where he tells Adam and Eve, look, from any tree of the garden, any tree of the garden, you may eat freely, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for the following verse. I'm like, God, I know what the following verse says. Are you going to speak that? What's the following verse is key too. We need to understand that. Because the following verse says that, well, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, Right? From the day of eat, from, for from the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And I'm waiting for God to give me the following verse. He's like, Craig, you're missing a point. Look at my provision. Look at my abundance. From any tree of the garden you may freely eat. Look, if your heart is set on the reality of my abundance and my provision in the midst of the lack, in the midst of the wilderness, it diminishes that thing. It diminishes that thing. Right? Instead of, instead of setting my heart on the wall, my heart is set on God. You prepare a table for me before me in the midst of my enemies, God. And it was so cool because Jeff came up to me and he shared an awesome word. And this is just a key, key verse. It's been spoken many times in DP and it's just a good, good verse. So I want to read it just so I make sure I get it fully correct. Um, James chapter one, 
right? Verse 16 and 17, right? Verse 16 says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, right? And, 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 and Jeff spoke this word, right? He says, right, we're deceived or the enemy tries to deceive us when we start to believe that God is not a good God, right? And look at the following verse, right? Verse 17 says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting a shadow. So when I begin to look at the lack in the wilderness, right, the situation, the trial, the temptation, the enemy's like, all right, I'm trying to deceive you here. I'm trying to get you to focus on what, what I want you to believe the situation really looks like. But God's like, be not deceived. Look, every good and perfect gift comes from me. Here's the table. Here's my abundance. Here's my provision. Here it is. Dine with me, right? There's a reality that God's calling us to dine with him on today, right? And it's cool because over and over again, Daniel said, the reality of what God's table looks like, goodness, loving kindness, right? Goodness and loving kindness, right? So I just ask that we all just receive that, man. Receive that, take that, receive that in our hearts. The reality that God's goodness and loving kindness, right? It's everlasting, never ceases, it never stops, right? We get to dine with the Lord, right? Let's allow God to, to open our eyes to see the reality of this thing, right? Surrounded by angel armies, right? Dining with him in the midst of this, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's cool if I pray. Is that cool? Let's just pray it. It's cool. <laughs> All right, so Lord, Lord, I just thank you for you, God. Lord, I thank you, God, that in the midst of what's taking place, Father God, in the midst of those areas, Father God, where, where there's lack and, and we're walking in the wilderness, Father God, whether it be in regards to what's taking place in our lives or in the lives of loved ones, Father Lord, I'm I pray, God, that even in the midst of those situations and those circumstances, Father, I pray, Lord God, that we wouldn't look and, and decide that the greatness of the wilderness is greater than the provision, Lord. But I pray that we would know that the greatness of your provision, Father God, overwhelms, Lord God. It overwhelms the reality of that wilderness, Father God, because you're a good God, Lord, and we get to dine with you, Lord God. You prepare this table before us, Father God, in the midst of our enemies, Father God. We get to dine with you, Father God. I pray, Lord God, that our heart, Father God, our heart, Father God, would be so focused, so focused. Our eyes would be so set and focused on you, Lord God. We would look towards you. We would look at you. We would focus on you, Father God. We would know that you're here, Lord God, with us, Father God. And we get to dine with you, Lord God. And, Lord, we say thank you for provision. Thank you for provision in the midst of the wilderness, Father God. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that you're opening eyes, Lord God. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I think we're, we're about to, to close and, and be released. And I, I do want to just um, thank you, mothers and fathers. Can we just thank mothers and fathers in the house? Give thanks to them. And um, Amy's going Amy's gonna to kind of close us up, and she just feels like... Um, just praying. Well, I'll just let Amy just pray us. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like I was telling Daniel. I just felt like um, I just wanted to bless the spiritual fathers in this house. Any father, really. But, you know. Um, so if, if you guys feel led to stand up and, you know, I'll pray. But people around you can, you know, lay hands on you. So. You know, it, you might be sitting there like, I don't want to stand up because I don't want to, you know, be a self-promoting spiritual father in the house. Listen, we define fathering this morning. And so don't, but don't hesitate. This is just an opportunity. Like, you know, Amy really feels like, like, you know, I mean, you know, if you've been around DP for a while and, and it's, and, you know, mother or father, don't feel like you need someone to come tap you on the shoulder and say, you're, it's okay to stand up. This is not self-promotion. It's okay to stand up. We want to pray for you. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I guess if you guys are around them, you know, you can lay your hand on them too. But. 
Yeah, Father, I just uh, just speak blessing uh, just over the the fathers that we have in this house. God, we thank you for um, their leadership and uh, just their self-sacrifice. God, we just uh, we honor them um, just for just staying faithful, walking with you, being an example, God, and and uh, we just we just speak that we love them, we honor them, we bless them, Father. Just pray that you would uh, continue just to pour out just blessing over them, God. We just just thank you, thank you, God, for them. Thank you guys so much. Tula, did you, are you closing us? I'm just, okay. Go ahead. Can you turn to your neighbor and say amen? Amen. amen. And I, I know Deanne Johnson's waving me down that she still has donuts, and I need them to leave with you. So um, even Carolyn said, I think that those of us that represent the fact that I, I have a dad should get a donut. There's donuts. They're, they are free and clear. I need everyone to take one. Have a great day.